and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things Greenock Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I am your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with themortonforum.com, your hub for the latest Morton news, analysis and debate. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All participants on this podcast do so in an entirely personal capacity and as such their views are entirely personal to them. Just a quick warning that this podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Just one cornetto, give it to me, delicious ice cream, oh me Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One Cornetto, brought to you by themortonforum.com. It's an unexpected point for the Tawn, their first trip to Tynecastle since 1988. A wonder strike from Craig McGuffey gave the Tawn a 1-0 lead early in the second half, with a Jamie Walker header in the 71st minute, rescuing a point for the league leaders. Joining me to analyse the game, we have Craig Dunning. Craig, how are you? Hi, good cheers. Uh, all the better for seeing that and looking at replies to Hart's tweets on Twitter. <laughs> so, we'll go straight in there. What a goal. Yes, it was, it was a fantastic goal. I think McGuffey, it's not the first goal he scored for us and it's, he's got a habit of popping up with, with excellent finishes. Yeah, it was just a fantastic attacking goal. Take it back, we... Changed the shape slightly, lined up in a 4-5-1 with three quite deep holding midfielders. What did you make of the, the change in shape and do you think it was successful? Well, yeah, it was definitely successful. I'm p- perfectly happy with that shape going forward. Obviously, when we're not at Tynecastle, you'd like it to be set up in a bit more of an attacking fashion, be closer to a 4-3-3 and a 4-5-1. But I think it goes back to last season where... In our excellent post-January form, we had that 4-3-3. So obviously a bit of a change of personnel now where you know, the, the three last season sitting in midfield were Jacobs, McAllister and Colville. But you can do the same this season just with you know Lyons swapping in place of McAllister and then decide on your three in front of them. Nesbitt's still there. I think that is pro- probably the best way to sit up going forward. I think a Jacobs, Lyon, Colville midfield would be a good way to go. I suppose I'm, I'm just going to take over the presenter role from you. We should just go and talk about Kyle Jacobs right now on that note. <laughs> what a performance. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely... <laughs> I think he was, without a shadow of a doubt, the, the best Morton player on the pitch today. Probably the best player on the pitch. I don't think Hearts played anywhere near the levels that they're capable of producing. But again, I think a lot of credit has to go to us in the way that we set up We are we didn't allow their influential players. I know Jacobs got a lot of credit. I thought in the first half especially, he did magnificently well to keep Naismith quiet. Obviously, the way that Hearts approach their attack and build-up play is Naismith spins into the gap, then tries to get on the ball in the half turn and then look to, to give service into Liam Boyce. They couldn't do that today and it was because of how well, you know, how well... Jacob's set up in nullifying Naismith and yeah it, absolutely stellar performance from him and it's great to see him back in the side and back in that midfield he is 
he has been sorely missed. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't escape uh, attention that you know, we've been, we're now on a run of eight games without a win, and that sounds appalling. It is not good. We need to turn it around. However, I did check just seeing the ridiculous difference that that uh, that Jacobs made today. And are you going to pull out Alan Jenkins stats here? I am going to pull out Alan Jenkins level stats. <laughs> it's just in that in that eight game run without a win, Jacobs has appeared in one of them, and that was a sub appearance at home to Dunfermline. Pr- prior to today, we'd lost three of our last four. Then we go to Tynecastle with Jacobs back in the team, and beyond that first twenty minutes where they overran us. Yeah, we, we held their own in midfield. Obviously, they, they were in control of the game for, for much of it, which is absolutely what you'd expect when I was going to Tynecastle. But, yeah, the, the difference Jacobs makes to that midfield is just gigantic. And while, yeah, absolutely, we are in trouble this season, we're right in the thick of a relegation battle, I feel a lot more confident about it with Kyle Jacobs fit every week <laughs> than, than I did when we didn't have him. So you mentioned... Lying a couple of minutes ago. Where do you sit with? Obviously, you talked about Colville and Jacobs. Would you be starting Lion ahead of Blues then? Yeah, I think I think there's an obvious there's an obvious midfield three of Lion, Jacobs, and Colville. I think Colville probably hasn't been at his best this season uh, so far, but he's not really had a settled run of games. And okay, he's played a few consecutive games, but he's been shunted about a bit. He's sometimes been on the left, sometimes in the middle. And yep. if we are sort of reverting to more of a four-three-three as opposed to a four-two-three-one, then yeah, I think that's the three you have to go with. You have Jacobs as your sitting player, Lions your more box-to-box type, and Colville's your more creative type. I think there's absolutely yeah yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a definite think, difference in quality from those three to, to the rest of the options we've got. Yeah, I think, trying to think of a the most diplomatic way to word this, Blues hasn't been as bad as I thought he was going to be, in as much as I think there has been some progression with Blues this season. But again, I'm in total agreement with you where I don't think he is anywhere near the quality of the three players that we've mentioned that should start in those in those three berths in midfield. And come the end of the season, I'm still not convinced he's done enough to warrant another another season at this level. Should we stay there? Yeah, Blues does look a better player than he did last season. He's added aspects to his game. You know, if you think about the two goals he scored against Queen's Park and Queen's Park in the League Cup and Cali Thistle in the league. He's made intelligent runs there and pulled off some excellent first-time finishes, which weren't facets to his game that we saw. But ultimately, games just pass him by too much, and we can't afford yeah. that. You made the point just before we started recording that if you look at, if you compare Jacobs to Blues today, we were kind of, I was saying that it's quite easy for the game to bypass you if you're playing in a holding midfield role when Hearts mainly like to get the ball wide and it was something that we've seen them focus on quite a lot was you know using the fullbacks in an attacking sense to to deliver in and quite often they were trying to to crowd the box with their four attacking players it is quite easy for the game to almost bypass someone playing in a holding midfield role when that is the the pattern of plays that you're defending against but you look at Jacobs was the best player on the pitch today the game did bypass Blues and I think 
if we're going to improve our midfield, which was something that got really slated last week following, sorry, the week before, following the, the defeat to our growth, talking about ball retention and ball progression, I think Lyon offers a hell of a lot more in there than Blues does, and yeah, I think we need to make that change starting from next week. Although, if we want to talk about midfielders failing to impose themselves on a game, we really do live in Andy Halliday's head, don't we? <laughs> I knew you were going to mention it at some point. Go on. Well, look, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about off-field issues at Morton lately. I think there's a very obvious solution to the stadium problem, which is that we just build one in Andy Halliday's head because that's rent-free for us. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to go to an ad break because it's not getting any better. Than... Folks, if you're listening, I don't think the podcast's going to get any better than that. Just not. Yeah, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Inverclyde Boiler Company and the Inverclyde Bathroom Company. Shane and his team offer the very best design, installation, aftercare and customer service and are very proud to serve the Inverclyde community. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram or call them on 01475 503 304. Okay, we will move on there. Looking at the change in shape, something that I wanted to touch on was if we are going to keep, if we are going to stick with the four-three-three, how would you like to see us set up in an attacking sense? Now, obviously, the the way that we set up a four-three-three at Tynecastle won't be the way that we set up a four-three-three next week at home to Dundee. Say, in talking about the the two wider attackers, would you like to see them? provide the attacking width or would you prefer them to stay a little bit more central and offer some support to the to the main striker and possibly look to our fullbacks to to provide the attacking width i think that's something you adjust game to game you know i've always i've always preferred aiden nesbitt i think aiden nesbitt's a better player as a you know as a number 10 coming in central you know, even if he is starting on the wing, sort of drifting inside a bit. But yeah, I think that's yep. some, that's something you set up and you hope that players have got sort of the intelligence to adjust that as the game as the game goes on. They don't have to spend the entire game climbing the touchline or, or the entire game coming inside. No, I think, just to kind of touch on what you were saying, I think we have the potential to balance it out where... We know that Nesbitt likes to drift inside on his left foot. I wonder if, going forward, we maybe even go with Nesbitt on the left of the three, allow him to cut inside, and then really give Strap a license to to bomb forward and look to him to provide the width on the left-hand side. McGuffey can provide natural width on the right-hand side, which I think is more suited to playing in front of Ledger, who doesn't have the attacking attributes that Strap does. And in that sense, it gives us that little bit of balance, which is something that under the first few games under McElhone, I think we were very balanced and composed. And it's I think that way of setting up probably gets us back to looking as balanced as we did in those performances. Um, obviously, the 2-1 the win against Infirmland, the 2-0 the win against Queen of the South at Capolo, I think... I think that would be the way I would look to set up in order to retain that balance. 
Yeah, Ledger's the exact point that I was going to come to there. I think if you, you know, if you're having both wingers in front of both fullbacks sort of drift inside, and you're asking fullbacks to bomb forward, Lewis Strap can do that. It's it's not fair to ask that of Ledger. It's not really what what his game's suited for. It it would become a bit of a Michael Dog situation where you're you're asking someone who's capable of being a competent fullback to add something to their game that just isn't there. So yeah, I think you do need to Michael Doyle. Michael Doyle, yeah. <laughs> And I think well, you'd certainly hope with the sheer number of options we've got as wingers that we can sort of mix those two things up. In terms of the setup of the front three as a whole in personnel, we've signed Sterling, we've signed Johnston. Weird that neither of them got on today. You know, I, I could I could have under, I could understand it two weeks ago when you know Sterling had just joined that I ah, maybe don't want to throw him into the starting eleven. And then today, I think there's an obvious choice of Salkeld in, in the sense of you just wanted a big physical energetic runner as your centre-forward. So yeah, again, that makes sense. But I would have expected to see both of them coming off the bench today because it's not like... You know, we know that Johnson's been, been in on trial for at least a couple of weeks. So I'd have thought we'd have, we'd have seen him. But yeah, maybe McElhoon's thought, especially the, the time that he's taken McGuffey off, we're still 1-0 up. I want a you know, more physical option there, which is why he's gone for your head. But yeah, I'd, I'd hope we see Johnson and Sterling soon for, you know, a decent spell on the pitch to actually get some sense of what they can offer. Yeah, I thought, I, didn't, I was quite happy when I seen Salkel start as the, the central forward, because as you said, he is energetic. You, I would like to see your hearts are very dependent on their centre-backs to progress the ball and to move the ball into the into the midfield third, and I thought Salkeld being up there with his energy and his intensity, I thought that was a, a good option, and I think he did. It's the old cliche of it being a thankless task. I thought he worked well, he disrupted them well, put himself about. I just assumed that come the 55, 60th minute that we would have seen Sterling come on and maybe take advantage. I know he mentioned when he came in that he likes to play on the shoulder of the last defender and and is quite suited to a direct game. I was quite surprised that we didn't see him today, but again, obviously, McElhone knows the player very well, and we'll just need, we'll need to trust his judgment, and hopefully we'll see him in the next game. Yeah, you'd hope come next week, it's not going to be such a back-to-the-wall defensive performance, even if he's not the centre-forward who comes in to start instead of, Sal- instead of Selkild. That's if McElhone doesn't decide to persist with Selkild, who, who, yeah, as he said, did do well today. You hope he at least gets a lengthy spell off the bench and that that comes unlike Wraith and we're not sort of thanklessly chasing the game. And yeah, we get to see how much he can actually impose himself. Perfect. So moving on to next week, Dundee at home. Now, Dundee are on a, a bit of a sticky patch after their resurgence in the second part of the season. Do you see that as a winnable game? Yeah, I think we have to. Um I hate to go down that cliche road of, oh, it's the championship, everyone can beat everyone, look how exciting the league is. But, yeah, right now, there are four points separating fourth and ninth. You would expect Dundee to be, along with Cali Thistle, sort of the team in that group, who are definitely going to be fine from relegation, purely by virtue of the number of games in hand they've got. But, yeah, the fact is, anyone in that group, group of teams, can beat anyone in that group of teams. It's a home game. We have to start winning. You know, I think you look at today and you yep. go, 
it was Hearts at Tyne Castle. That's a very good point. Frustrating as it is that you'll be with a head and the equaliser was a pretty poor goal to concede. A point at Tyne Castle is an excellent point. Yeah. However, Absolutely, if, yeah. you know, Dundee at home, yeah, let's not have a mentality of, oh, Dundee are a big club. They, they can be beaten. They do have obvious weaknesses. You stop Charlie Adam playing, they don't really have much at all to offer creatively. Yeah, and see if we lose, if we lose that game, that's going to be... Excuse excuse the racket, that's my cat, just forces me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if we, if we don't win that game, then that's nine games without a win. This run has to stop at some point. And yep. yeah, it, you can't keep saying, even if we take a point, that's a decent point. At some point, it just has to end if, we, if we're going to stay up. Cornetto is brought to you in association with Denotter Retro Football Tops, who offer a variety of high-quality, modern reproductions of classic Morton shirts from years gone by, including the famous orange Umbro away shirt and the shirts from the 80s and 90s by match winner and New Olympic, with new designs being added regularly. You can visit them at www.denotter.scot and use the discount code MORTON10 to receive a 10% discount on your order. Moving on from there... During the week, Morton Club Together issued a fan survey looking at two options in the proposed takeover of the club from Golden Casket. Following on from that, the Morton Forum, we issued our own poll. Thank you to everyone that voted across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and the forum itself. We've published the results on the forum and I would encourage everyone to, to go and have a look at them and the, the discussion around about them. So I'll give you them here. 388 votes were recorded in total. We took some of them away as they were duplicates. So we then went down to 367 votes accepted. So option one, which was the agreed proposal whereby Golden Casket serve as the landlords essentially with the debt being wiped off. That got 14.71% of the vote. Option two, whereby MCT are given the stadium, Golden Casket, retain the car park and the £2 million debt or circa £2 million debt stays in place. That got 14 votes and 3.81% of the vote. Option three, which was one that I had added in, which wasn't included in the MCT survey and stating that neither of these deals are acceptable. That was 299 votes, which is an astonishing 81.47% of the vote. So where do you think that leaves the, the negotiations and the takeover, Craig? Well, 84% <laughs> of the vote, okay, that's not 84% of MCT's membership, but yeah, 299 people were talking a very significant proportion of MCT's membership with those kind of numbers. If that many people think it's unacceptable, both proposals, then there's really no choice but to sort of go back to the drawing board here, is there? Um, it does make things awkward for MCT. If you're facing a situation where fans are seriously going to consider voting this proposal down, bearing in mind that ultimately the MCT membership will get a final vote on the deal, then, well... If that many people are saying these options are unacceptable already, you have to at least try and get something better 
we don't know what Golden Casket's mindset is exactly, how willing they are to compromise, but pressure has to be put on them one way or another. If there is a, a breakdown in talks, where do you think that would leave Golden Casket in relation to the ownership of Morton and their wider business interests? Well, look, they they want out of Morton. We know they want out of Morton. If MCT try to exercise a nuclear option and just explicitly say, we're going to walk away from this if you don't budge on these two options and Golden Casket hold the line and that results as looks likely it would in the MCT membership voting that down, then, yeah, okay, Golden Casket are still the ownership and are still the owners of Morton. Considering the absolute state of the club over the last couple of months, no manager, no goalkeeping coach, no chief executive, what exactly has been done with the £500,000 grant, I think the support's patience has ran out. And even if it's you know, been the MCT membership's choice that the takeover doesn't go ahead now, through you know, not agreeing to the options Golden Casket put on the table, if Golden Casket are still the owners of Morton next season, then even if that's been MCT's choice to walk away, in the, in the view of the support, that's going to be down to Golden Casket's intransigence and unwillingness to make any kind of compromise. Golden Casket are sort of an Inverclyde-based business, let's not forget. I'm not sure they can, they can deal with that sort of reputational damage of sort of being seen as holding Morton back. You know, once things get to that point, we're not just talking about a few disgruntled fans chanting sack the board at games. We're talking about you know, proper protests that go far beyond that. So, yeah, I think they need to seriously think about what they're letting themselves in for if they let things go down that road. I'm not sure they understand the scale of, of the discontent that they'll face in, in those circumstances. What do you think, then, the current relationship is at the moment between the Morton support and Crawford Ray? And in more normal times... If fans were allowed inside Carpolo at the moment, as they are normally, what do you think the atmosphere would be like? Yeah, I think it would be considerably worse than just a smattering of this discontented sack the board chants from the cowshed. I think there'll be a real genuine level of anger that hasn't been directed towards a board at Carpolo for 20 years. And I'm not saying it should necessarily you know, match the level of anger that was seen 20 years ago. I'm not saying it's a directly comparable situation, but it's closer to that than anything we've had since. And just on the relationship in general, I think that Golden Casket really need to be careful what they wish for. There's only so much reputational damage they can sustain. You know, if, if there's annoyance from a selection of Morton fans on the internet, that's a thing they can ride out if that, you know, that's a thing that can fizzle out and go away. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's also worth bearing in mind that at various points over the last 20 years, depending on how things have worked out on and off the pitch, there has been a lot of consistent criticism of the Rays, both online and at Capolo, down the years. Yeah, absolutely. If this, you know, if there's no compromises made, and the takeover collapses, or if you know, if one of those options, as it stands, goes ahead, and it has bad consequences for the club as a result, then 
that's not something that's going to just remain on the internet and be a few angry people. That's visible to the wider community of Inverclyde and as a prominent business in Inverclyde, they don't want that reputational damage. They really do need to watch what they're doing here. Moving on from there, looking elsewhere in the division today, Chris Doolan proved the difference as our both beat Wraith Rovers 1-0 at Lynx Park. Inverness overcame air 2-0 at Somerset Park. Queen of the South continued their fantastic revival, beating Dundee 3-2 at Dens Park. And a Craig White and double was enough for Dunfermline to record a 2-1 win over bottom side Alloa. Now looking towards the championship table, Hearts are top of the league on 38. 11 points behind them on 27 with a game in hand. Wraith are third on 24, Queen of the South are now up to fourth on 21, Dundee are fifth on 20, Mortner are both in sixth and seventh, both on 18, Inverness and Ayr in eighth and ninth on 17, and Alloa are still bottom on 12. To round us off on a slightly more positive note, while we've been recording, our esteemed colleague Chris Dodds has sent over a voice message on WhatsApp that he is demanding is played on the record, so here we go. One each, what a result. Some group of boys. What a set of balls in the water room. Monitoring. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the show's going to get any better than that, to be honest. I think we've peaked. Uh, no, that, um, yeah, I think that's that's about as good a way to round the show off as we're going to get. <laughs> I mean, unless I decide to tell my holiday joke again, but um, I'm going to live off that one for a while. No, I think in the... The words of Father Ted, no. I liked it best the first time. <laughs> if you ever say that to me again, I'll put your head through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's now taken 26 episodes, but we eventually managed to just get this podcast as a solely Father Ted quotes podcast. Yes, yeah, it's, it's only going to carry on from here. It, it had to be when it was the two of us on as well that it ended up with Father Ted quotes. Yeah, I don't think it's... I think it's going to be hard now to go back to, to football now that we've delved into Father Ted. So I think we will leave it there. Craig, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. In the